Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. church planner this is pete mitchell and this is peyton jones back for take two again this seems to be a pattern with us every week hey know anybody who's starting a church huh on the big day huh? yeah well that, that, i am are you no uh, i'm um, not a church starter yeah i i started a church last wednesday uh, i usually start church about 10 30 on sunday Oh, nice. Nice, you church starter. You, Yeah, Peyton, Peyton might have thrown someone under the bus in, in just right out the gate. What's funny is this you morning. threw him under the bus, but it wasn't until like I brought the spotlight and goes, look at what Peyton just did. You're like, we got to re-record this. <laughs> oh, Peyton threw down. You know, I remember in the early days, people used to to want me to throw down like our audience would be like, OK, look, Peyton, like because we would do those things like, hey, top such and such books you ought to read. People would be like, OK, tell us what books are a waste of time. Tell us what books are bad. And I'm like, you know, as an author, I can't really do that. You know, like someone poured their blood, sweat and tears. They didn't have chat GPT back then. They only had ghostwriters. So I was like, you know, but nobody. Someone poured <laughs> their salty blood, today. sweat and tears into a ghostwriter. I mean, it's just I can't. I am, I am salty today. I just public service announcement, little warning there. Peyton's a little salty. I have no idea why. Hey, but so have it, you seen the flash? That's the important question. No, don't give me any spoilers. I hear Batman's in it. Well, yeah, but you know that from the trailer. Yeah, I know. I know. That's all I know. And you know Michael Keaton's in it. Like, oh, yeah, I can't wait. I love Michael Keaton Batman. I'm sorry, but I I I've always thought he was rad. What's funny is when you see Michael Keaton in when he first shows up in the movie, he looks like, I don't know if you know who this is, but he looks like Beach Jonesy from Fortnite. Like Beach it's, Jonesy. It's it's one of the it's one of the okay. Fortnite characters. Okay. He's oh, oh I, know, I know who you're talking about now. He's okay. a spitting image of him. He's got the long hair, the scraggly beard. He's wearing he like a brown sweater. I'm like, dude, he looks like freaking Beach Jonesy from Fortnite. Well, I have Beach Jonesy from Fortnite because oh, he, he looks, looks like okay. the dude. So yeah, I was exactly. like, oh, yeah, except, no, I'm, I'm skinny. Him. Mem- remember, uh, okay, so they make fun of me. We have this Fortnite group, which uh, did get political last Sunday morning when I was trying to study for my sermon. But uh, Beach Jonesy, yes, he uh, in this Fortnite group, they uh, make fun of me because I don't play that often, but I do show up and buy uh, tokens and buy skins. That's when I usually, and then I, and then it's I come onto the team. Skin. Or Batman, help Star you Wars lose. Or Batman. Yeah, Star Wars, Batman, so Marvel, Indiana Jones, that got me playing, and then the Witcher skin I wanted. So uh, we were just saying, weren't we, that um, this is how we got ourselves into trouble, was you're like, yeah, you know, we got so many two-star reviews during COVID, and then that's where I got so Well, out. yeah, I don't know if it was, but we did get some, some either one or two-star reviews, and they were complaining about the snack talk. And all I was thinking is you're so lucky we don't have the podcast going on right now because I'd be bringing up your name, calling you out. <laughs> Come on, let's do it. <laughs> I, I, hey, it's never too late. That's my philosophy. It's never too late to do the right thing, Pete. It's probably true, but uh, I'm way too lazy to go back and actually look up the reviews. <laughs> Just consider yourself fortunate. It is the glory of a podcaster to overlook a two-star review. I bet you they've already quit listening. They're like, oh, they're talking smack again. I can't do that. Yeah, but it's still fun to talk about them. My favorite podcast, besides ours, of course, is one called The Bookening. And it's you would hate it. It's just a bunch of book nerds. I would hate it, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely book nerds. And they're like, hey, uh, you know, like they're actually amazingly talented. But I found out they're planners. So I wrote them. And said, hey, you know, I, I fanboyed on their show. But they actually wrote a um, an episode. It's like 14, 15 minutes long because some young people ripped them off. I mean, you know, like 
ripped off their name, ripped off their style of the show, ripped off their intro, ripped off the format, and actually like copy the same books and do the same books. And so they they just put it on their podcast and said, hey, guys, you're young, you know, like uh, we're, we're just as this is kind of like our cease and desist. We know you listen to us. It was pretty funny. Wow. And they did it. They did it like, like kind of pastorally too. like, Hey, you guys just understand it's theft, you know, and we know you're young and hopefully this isn't a character issue. It's, it's a mistake you made because you're young, but they, they didn't get a response after reaching out to these guys. First they did. Oh yeah. What do you want to talk? We want to talk to you about your podcast. And then the guys ghosted them. So they put a, a, a episode yeah, I, on there. I, I would have to actually, I would have to actually see the whole thing because you and I were actually talking about this the other day. And I'm like, look, I've never had an original thought in my life. It right. just hasn't happened. Right. I am a collection of other people's ideas that I've taken, internalized, molded them to be more like my ideas. But I mean, I look at a lot of this stuff and there's a reason why you can't copyright ideas because ideas happen all the time. They happen all around us. They happen worldwide. I mean, you might be thinking about, hey, I want to do AI and somebody else is thinking the same thing somewhere else. Yeah. And so there's a lot of similarities just because of the way the world works. And especially with communication, TV, internet, things like that, the way ideas spread. You know, I, I just look at a lot of that stuff and I'm like, I don't know necessarily that I can sit there and go, oh, you know, they straight stole this. Yeah, yeah they might have gotten the idea from them. But at the same time, you can change it and make it yours. And yeah, you definitely got the idea from them, but it's definitely yeah. different. So No, they actually, uh, they, they listed out and I went over and listened and I was like, yeah, but they had 102 episodes and only two of them were live. So they must have gone because I listened on over the weekend and it happened on a Tuesday. So that would have given them like five, six days to make it right. And uh, so they had like deleted their first 100 episodes. So apparently it did some something, you know, apparently they thought enough like, hey, yeah, we're guilty as charged. Dude, 100 um, episodes. I don't even know how you copy 100 episodes. Like, honestly, yeah, if I they heard did. someone else was doing a podcast about AI, I would go, oh, that's a great idea. And then we'd talk about it. Like, that's not right. copying to me. No, no, no. It would be like if if someone did the church planting podcast. Wait, they, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, okay. The church planters podcast. And then, so, so, like. If I told you the two names, I want I don't want to hurt these kids anymore. But um, let's say this the church planters podcast, and the guy goes, Hey, church planter, uh, this is and he says his name, and then I come in, and then you go, Right, let's get into smack talks, you know, like that's how bad it was. Like if you go over and listen to it, you hear actually, and if you if you and I had a handle, like they'll do things like I'm the scholar who's a baller, um, your humble and obedient host. They were the guy would say you're humble and eloquent host. Like he would, he would, he literally copied everything, which is flattery, right? Like it's oh, you like my podcast, that's great. But it was literally that much. And you know, you and I talked like uh, I, I believe, and you and I have sometimes disagreed. Um, there have been times you're like, oh, I don't think so, and I've had to like step back and go, no, I don't think that dude did plagiarize me. You're maybe you're right, maybe. Maybe that idea is more widespread than I thought, or maybe this and that. But there were times where Church Zero got ripped off three different ways. And like, I'll go to the death saying that. One one of those times, the author actually reached out to me and apologized and said, hey, I had no idea they were going to do this. I mean, it was like... What do you mean the author says, I don't know, they were going to do this? Yeah, so he, he I'm not going to say who it was, but they did a uh, an ebook for an organization that um, that ripped off Church Zero. And the the author of the ebook said, hey, I, I sent in the manuscript. I did not know they were going to do this. The cover was very similar. The title was very similar. And um, well, see, I had I had turned goes, down the uh, the organization for something else, and so it was it was just interesting. 
See, that that actually, that makes me think about something I always tell uh, my clients. Like I work with a lot of real estate agents, train them on how to do marketing and things like that. And I tell them all the time, I go, you know, the problem with real estate agents is it's a very incestuous industry and everyone just copies what everyone else is doing. The problem is, is they actually don't know if what they're copying worked. <laughs> they're just copying it because they think it, you know, that person has to be smarter than me. And see, I would say that when I look at your Church Zero book cover, yeah. like, I don't remember who published it, uh, David C. Cook or something like that. Yeah. But they did not know what they were doing when they put together a book cover. <laughs> like, it just... No, it was ter- I actually tried to reject it. And I went to my agent and said, hey, and he goes, listen, you're a first time author. You don't have yeah, a no lot sake. of... Yeah, you don't have a lot of skin in the game here. Um, you're not going to win this. Just let it go. You could, but you'll get a reputation. He said, just work with them. If it if it doesn't do well, it's their fault. Um, well, the book ended up getting pretty widespread. That was my most popular book. But really? it was because he gave it away for free. Yeah, oh. at that time. Like like even um, Church Plantology now, I think, is is by far my most popular book um it's actually it's doing well so Do they actually me- tell you the numbers of hey this is how many we've sold oh yeah i get a i get a quarterly report well you'll have to you'll have to behind the scenes you'll have to tell me just because i have no idea how much a traditionally published book sells i only well, self-publish so so i thought my books were doing terrible because what they do is they they you get your percentage and you have to pay back your royalties right. so you yeah. get your money up front I thought if I didn't get ahead of my royalties, that my book was failing. So this is something that no one ever told me. I'm like, oh, my books are so bad. Like nobody, nobody told me like, no, Peyton, actually your books did good. You just got paid all that money up front and you you may never see the backside unless right, the book right. has like a second life or whatever. Like then you might get royalties in perpetuity. But those are books like The Forgotten Ways and ones that just keep selling. Church is Zero is probably not one of those books. You know, it was for its time. Uh, Reaching the Unreach has legs, and Zonovan has that. <clears throat> that book is going to be timeless in what it's presenting. Church Zero is more like a prophetic rattle the cage manifesto. Hey, we're broken. What's, what we're doing is not working. Well, COVID came and <laughs> confirmed everything I wrote in that book. But yeah, I... I thought I was a failed writer. So every time I get another contract, I'd be like, oh, someone must love me. You know, like, that's amazing. I can't believe I got another. Now I'm like, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sellable commodity. I recognize that now. Sellable commodity. Heck yeah. (laughs) I I don't even have to say, Pete, buy my book. (laughs) Cha-ching. I don't even have the cha-ching anymore. I, I've transcended the cha-ching. Okay, now if someone copied our podcast and did the cha-ching, okay, that's what I'm saying. They copied. That's exactly they. They would like they had this section where they would talk about um, uh, something like emotional baggage or whatever, and and they and they would talk about the author's personal life. That was one section of the show. These these kids did that. Like it was it was a blatant ripoff. But you know, back then, you know, you and I were talking about that this week, and we are going to get in our topic in a minute. But we we do want to waste your time at least a little bit, or you won't think we're back. But uh, church plantology, funny enough, um, you and I were talking about that. That book <clears throat> to me feels a little different. That book feels like that. That book. If it changes the conversation, everybody uh, starts saying, oh, yeah, APES planting, because it was a first APES planting. Um, as far as I know, it was a first team planting. Um, I do think um, J.R. Woodward and Dan White, actually, with their, it wasn't a church planting book per se, but that book is really valuable. They have a book that um, I think it's it's like the movement of... Uh, Something about movement, but anyways, it's 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 more generic than what we did, but definitely applies to church planning and um, churches movement. I think it's called, and um, you know that book. I mean, I suppose they could sit over there and say, "Hey, you know, Peyton, you 
you and I certainly referenced their book and quoted them and was appreciative. But you gave credit though, right? I did. You know, I had actually never read. There were so many books I had never read prior. Once I read their book, I'm like, hey, how come I haven't been doing stuff with these guys for like, there was a lot of those incidences. There was one book that I almost didn't, it almost called me, it caused me to call Zondervan and say, hey, I don't know why I'm working on this, guys. This other book over here is so cool, but it didn't have the team or APEST. But it was such a good church planning book. And I'll just give him a shout out. Um, it was Ott. Uh, I think it's Greg Ott. And I've, I've chatted with him and reached out to him and said, hey, your book almost made me not want to. Like, I'll usually reach out to an author and tell him how much I appreciate the work, like Michael Cooper and different guys like that. But obviously, Steve Addison, I got a man crush on him. Um, Church plan, the movement of God uh, is his new one. I got to write the forward for that because, oh, wow. uh, yeah. Usually they use famous people. You should feel I like. know. I know. I, I was like, oh, you know, you couldn't get Ed Stetzer or Terry Newhoff. Were they busy, Alan? But yeah, he asked me. So that's good. But, you know, plantology uh, took a lot from Steve Addison um, and said, hey, let's talk about movements all over the world. So, you know, I relied a bit on his work. For that, and then um, he turned around and did uh, acts in the movement of God, which relied a little bit, not so much on plantology, because who am I, right? I don't have a PhD behind my name, but I use Schnabel heavily, heavily. So he um, he used Schnabel a lot, but he was inspired by what plantology. Did you Schnabel, Eckhart Schnabel is <laughs> Schnabel. That's that's a, a, a Schnabel is a little. Uh, Almost like a hobbit. It's like a I was gonna say, is this creature a hobbit that, thing? It, a schnabel. Like a, a schnabel is a is a little gnome that lives in the in the woods, um, and they grow when you do the little like push one nostril and blow boogie out the other. Um, if if the conditions are right and the fairies are present, that boogie will grow into a schnabel, and they become this magical creature that lives in the woods, almost like a pixie or a sprite. And so that's a schnabel. Um, welcome to Smack Talk, everyone, where we really do waste your time. Eckhart Schnabel, one of the greatest New Testament scholars uh, out there, did a ginormous, like 1,200-page volume on Jesus and his ministry, uh, and then the same, volume two, on Paul and his ministry. I read him cover to cover for Plantology. So good. So, But let's, uh, let's talk about uh, our, our, our friend, my friend. Rick Warren. Oh, no. Uh, Alexa's asking me if I want to do something with the social bot. I don't know what that is. With a what? A social bot. And she just asked me, shall I do such and such with social bot? I have no idea what it's talking about, but apparently she's triggered by uh, Rick Warren in the background. He's there. triggered. I've seen the term. Hey, later. Alexa, stop getting triggered by Rick Warren, okay? Take off, you hoser. I went Canadian on that one. As everyone should. Yeah. So, anyways, let's get into our topic. I think you should set this one up. You know, I don't know that I really can set it up other than um, I remember uh, one of our fellow church planners. I remember which guy it was. I, I could actually literally picture his face because he's a Facebook friend, not because I actually met the guy, right? And uh, he's got a he's got a, a full beard. You know, and now I got to take that back. I'm not even sure if it was him. It could have been, I don't know who it was, but someone put on Instagram uh, Rick Warren's, you know, he, I think he called it his apology to women or something like that. And it was so well done that I was like, I was really impressed by it. Because, you know, you could probably set up the stage better than I can for everything that he's been going through, mainly because I don't even keep track of that stuff. Honestly, I just don't care. And, um, but, you know, I, I will, I will say this, that over the years, I've seen my understanding and my interpretation uh, morph and change. And, um, and especially when it comes to, to women in ministry, I mean, that is such a hot 
topic. That's that's like the third rail, man. You just you got to be so careful when you talk about that because it's 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 like people will die on that hill. You and I both yeah. know someone oh, who yeah. wants to die on that hill, and I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry, man. I'm like, I, I don't. I mean, eh. so anyway, all it was was Rick Warren's. You know, basically, this is why I took this position. This is what I did to reach this position. This is the study that I did. And I realized I had it wrong for years. And so I apologize. I apologize that I've had this wrong. And of course, that triggers so many people. In fact, you know, geez, I still look at this one conversation and, and the comment was essentially, it wasn't exactly this. The comment was, well, you know, when you start letting women in ministry, the next thing you know is we got homosexuals uh, leading churches. And and I'm like, dude, are you seriously equating yeah. like women in ministry to acceptance of it? It's a logical that, fallacy that it's called slippery slope argument. Um, if you let A happen, B will naturally follow. Um, and, and it's not a valid point. No, that's not necessarily true. If you start compromising scripture, yes. But if you look at scripture for what it is, um, like, for example, the whole First Timothy 2 passage that we're talking about where Paul says it, do not permit women to teach or have authority over men. If you look at that passage in context and you come to a different opinion, it's it's one verse. It's what we call one verse theology where you uh, women can't teach off that one verse. You and I have a friend, and I used to say this, one verse all it takes, but one verse properly exegeted. That verse, I will always ask people to exegete the second part, which is, okay, um, if you think it's clear, uh, then do the second half of the sentence um, where he says, uh, or the second part of the passage where he says, you know, but women will be saved uh, through childbearing if they continue in perseverance and yada, yada. And that one's really hard for people. To... Well, and that was funny because when I brought that up with our mutual friend, he goes, uh, well, yeah, childbearing is good. I'm like, yeah, childbearing <laughs> is good, but that's not what the verse says. Saved. <laughs> like, well, saved means, you know, so you, you, you start having all these different, okay, but how does that now have, well, it's talking about roles. Okay. So, so as we, as we look at the passage, here's, here's where it's funny. Um, Chris Langham and I, you know, we, we were, I was asked to do first Timothy for through the word and, uh, Chris is the founder and he's to go over refuge long beach, um, back in the day. And I said to Chris, there's no way, I, I mean, I'm going to come out on this thing, exposing this passage a little different than, than maybe the ministry would. Um, so let's talk about it. And Chris is like, no, you know, like, so Chris and I had a conversation at the end of that conversation. He was like, huh, you really made me think, um, I need to go back and restudy this, which he did. Then he came back and said, okay, because I told him if I do this, it needs to be a conversation between you and I, I'll do the, the, the main audio guide, which is a monologue, but we do these B sides, which is if an issue is a little more complex, we'll have a conversation. And I said, Chris, um, I need you on there because all these people are like, they're Chris Langham fans, right? Like I'm number two guy. It's like, uh, basically uh, I'm the, oh, dang, it's not Chris today guy, right? Like I'm I'm sloppy seconds. So I'm like, if I come on there dropping this bomb uh, and you're not present, it's a problem. Um, so anyways, uh, but one of the arguments that we made, and I, this is what I was getting to is when people say there's only one versus what it takes, they're very inconsistent with this because there is one passage on head coverings. And Paul makes the same universal arguments um, for that. But I don't see your wife wearing a head covering at church, right? Um, so that's inconsistent. Then Paul also says um, women must be silent the other in church. Too is, first of all, verses weren't there when they wrote them, like the first numbers, right? That was, that was added later. Yeah. So first of all, when we say one verse theology to me, the problem with that is we can take anything out of context when all we start doing is looking at the verse number. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that I brought up was I go look at Jeremiah 29, 11. How yeah. often is that verse taken out of context? Like right. completely taken out of context. Oh, look, God's got all these plans for me. 
Why don't you prosper me? And it's like, okay, but that's not even the context. It wasn't about a person. It was about the nation of Israel. Look at where they were. They were in captivity because they sucked. And I'm like, but we're going to take one verse theology? No. Like, what's the passage? Like, remember, the verse numbers were added later. What, what's the, what was the idea the author was getting at? What was his yeah. intent? Yeah. Absolutely. And if you guys want, like, you know, I probably won't walk through the whole argument, but I think you guys will like it. It, it no matter where you fall on this issue, um, <clears throat> I, um, I think you'll appreciate the way that it's handled because what, what Chris and I do is we come in on the B sides on the, through the word app, you can download it, um, go to first Timothy two, and then on the B-sides, we just say, hey, this is where we came from. We came from a very male-centric where this was seen as compromise of Scripture. And so we held out forever because one thing we won't do is compromise on Scripture. But, you know, my views have changed. I mean, I've been everything from a Calvinist to playing around with cessationism to, I mean, I have been all over the map because people, dang it, they make great arguments. I've been a pre-trib, post-trib uh, contemplated mid-trib, post-millennial, amillennial, pre-millennial, historic pre-millennial. Like when you, when it comes to theology, there's a reason that different people have different, some people can make some great arguments. You know, who's right? Is it, is it Martin Lloyd-Jones or is it, gosh, I don't know, um, G. Campbell Morgan, G. Campbell Morgan, totally opposite sides of theology handed over his church to D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And I I like the church best when it comes together and says, you know what, we're polarized on this, but maybe we should have some dialogue and discussion. And so Chris and I do that, and then we walk through why it changed for us. And one of those, again, was just, hey, we have other verses about women that we say are not at face value what they seem to be saying. For example, women should be silent in church is a really strong passage when you read it. But then elsewhere, you see that Philip had uh, five daughters that were prophetesses. And in the head covering passage, another uh, passage in question, Paul actually says, um, hey, if a woman prophesies in church, she has to have her head covered. So we're not even talking, you know, when people are like, women ought to be silent church, which has been used often to keep women down. Um, it... it even from the same book, it says when she prophesies and prophesying is either preaching or using the gift of prophesy, prophecy, depending on, you know, what context it's used in. Um, so uh, you got these two passages that you already have said, oh, it's cultural. So why would Paul's other one maybe not be the same? And maybe because we don't like when Paul says for Adam uh, uh, Adam was created first, then Eve, and Adam, uh, Eve sinned first. He's actually responding to their bad theology. Their theology, um, and this is arrived at through uh, scholarship uses something in theology called mirror reading. You can pretty much anticipate what the other side was saying. So Paul says all these things. We can piece together the theology that they had. One of them was that men were bad. Men were the cause of all the problems in the world. Now, this has resurfaced today, right? Now, men are toxic. Men are bad. You know, we're back to that again. But for them, for the feminist movement within the church, um, there was a bad theology. Jezebel, seven churches of Asia, was connected with this. And she was a solo leader. She had become a cult-type leader. And she... um she actually was, um, when Paul says teaching and have authority over a man, I would argue um, Paul has no problem with a woman teaching. He has no problem with um, team leadership with elders and deacons. Uh, what he has a problem with is a solo leader. And in this case, it was a woman. Um, and she was teaching theology that men should not be leading. Men are bad um, because, look, uh you know, in in the creation order, um, uh, you know, Eve was the crown jewel. Um, you know, she she topped off the creation. She was the best. Got to the best for last, which is what we say about men. And then that's when he goes. But 
you know, look, Adam was, he's correcting their theology. He's not making an argument for why um, uh, women should not do anything. He's actually correcting like, hey, and your theology, by the way, is wrong. Adam was created first. And then um, he says that, uh, uh, and Eve sinned first, because always in the Bible, it's always Adam sinned, Adam sinned, Adam sinned. And Paul goes, hey, by the way, uh, it was actually Eve that sinned first, even though the sin was counted in Adam. Uh, so your theology is wrong, guys. So no, we're not going to have this women-only leading thing that Jezebel's trying to pull. So you can piece it together. You can look at it. And um, it was a movement within the church that Paul's correcting. And um, so anyways, oh, and the other the other reason that he comes into childbearing is that they were like, hey, and the other thing is, we're not going to uh, have children or marry. So like, that's where he says, like, they forbid marriage, you know, yada, yada. There was this whole theology. And so Paul redeems childbearing, like, hey, this is part of the created order, guys. Like, bearing kids is good. It's not bad. So uh, there's there's a little mini exposition of that passage for you. But, um, but we have read it wrong, I believe. And we have done a great disservice to the church. And where this matters in your church plant is you want women in your elders deacons meetings. You just do, right? Especially with the church plant. Yeah, go go away men and talk and and have your cigars and uh, drink your whiskey and talk about, you know, the the matters of the church and then go home and talk to your wives and figure, well, gee, maybe a team leadership in the home when we're raising kids, that male female perspective, maybe that would be equally valuable in the church right now. And uh, and then people get hung up. Well, you know, it says elders must be a husband and one wife. And so that no, then it goes on to say the women also and gives qualifications for them. Um, it does not say wives. It literally in the Greek says the women likewise or the women also. And then he lists their qualifications. So um, we we have translated it as women, uh, wives, but it's actually women. But. I digress. Back to Rick Warren. <laughs> Interesting. I got to go back and reread that passage that you just mentioned. Yeah. it. You know, and like I said, you can really hear us exposit this in through the word. If you want to hear it packaged where I'm not talking off the top of my head, you know, but yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of scholarship done on this and a lot of good work because Chris makes a statement at the beginning where he's telling his testimony. He goes, look, I mean, my first thought when I read that was, wow, I didn't think Jesus was sexist, but that seems awfully sexist. And he goes, you know, it's actually inconsistent with everything that you know about Jesus. You know, like the woman at the well, he appears to women, his birth and his resurrection are announced to women and women become the first message bearers, the woman at the well that brings a whole village, like women become this important thing. And it that's very redemptive. Here's the argument that some of these guys make, and you know where I'm going with this. Well, yeah, they can be evangelists. They just can't preach. Uh, that was, hey, that was the first step for me. Well, let me ask you, why can they be evangelists of the gospel, life and death for souls hanging in the balance, but they can't teach on First Chronicles chapter twenty-three. Well, because why would that be? That's just the way God set it up. Yeah. Oh, because it. Yeah. The, the one verse. The one verse says yeah. they can't do it. Yeah, but on the gospel, the most important thing. Um, oh no, that's fine. And in your youth group, but anyways, don't get me. You know, I told you I'm salty today. Look, Dude, I, well, if if is- you have that view, though, guys, listen. Those of you in our audience, I realize it's it's a tough place. It's, I would say the majority of people listening to this podcast. Yes, I know. We're alienating our audience. but Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And honestly, I would just like for my own, that's that's how I grew up. Like, yeah. you know, my story, my dad's been a pastor all my life. I remember even having a conversation with him like a year or two ago. And he made the comment, you know, oh, you know, they're they're totally liberal. They let women preach. <laughs> like he just, like that was his his stance, right? And so, I mean, that's, that's where I come from. And I remember Charlie and I having this conversation at Refuge Long Beach. And we were both just like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think that was cultural. I, I, I think Paul said that for a reason. Like, you know, 
you know, that, that's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And never had thought about it, never having. Well, it's really commendable. It. It's commendable to be like, hey, I want to honor scripture and I don't want to play fast and loose with the word of God. I'm still there. In fact, it's that's funny. What, be- I think that's where we all come from. The problem yeah. that I have is when someone's like, well, it's totally clear. And I'm like, but it's actually not totally clear. Yeah. Yeah. Not when we read it in context, not when we read it in the context of the, that, that particular passage. And then we read it in the context of what else does Paul say? Not just right. in that particular passage, but throughout everything that he compare says. his practices, compare it to Romans 16, where a third of them are women. There's so many arguments for this, that when you look at the whole, and then you realize all of your, um, your resistances to this were kind of imagined. Like when you start, and and this is why I think for a lot of people, when they go through this, and I know people are getting mad at me because they're like, it's not imagined, it's real. I was there and all I'm saying is it will happen gradually. You're not going to have like an on the dime epiphany. You're going to start thinking about this and you're going to keep going back to that scripture. And then you're going to, you have to fight the windmills of all of the other straw man arguments you know, like like you said, the logical, well, if you start letting that happen, this will happen. You know, I'm a part, case in point, I'm a part of the free Methodist denomination. Now, I assume most of you don't know. Yeah, but here's is. the thing that I think you need to point out to everyone. You've been a part of pretty much every denomination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been a Welsh Calvinistic Methodist. That was, which we winked and said Presbyterian, but in Wales. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I spent the majority, like, that's one thing. When I out myself as free Methodist, then I'm like, all of a sudden, all the Calvinists who know me over the years are like, what? When did you make that switch? So it, it's funny because um, the free Methodists, for those of you who don't know, are not the United Methodists. So they're not, um, they do not affirm, uh, you know, uh, LGBTQ or, you know, like open lifestyle, yada, yada. So what that's kind of where they draw the line, but they actually broke off way before that. They broke off uh, during the 1800s and started as a denomination over uh, abolition. They were an abolitionist movement. Yeah, because Wesley was super like social conscious. He was anti-slavery 100% and never wavered on that. So if you ever read like Wesley's five principles, it's amazing, right? And one of them was like, kind of like James, like the gospel has to do social good as well. And, you know, Wesley was far from liberal, but Wesley started ordaining women at the end of his ministry because the spirit dropped a bomb. And every time the spirit dropped a bomb, Women got real uh, uh, active. And so he started ordaining them. That was the first decision they reversed when he died. Um, But I don't want to get too distracted on that. What I do want to say is the Free Methodist, which have been an amazing tribe, um, they, they would take the view that I'm giving about women in ministry, but they are theologically conservative. They are not liberal. In fact, they're just known, hey, we are theologically conservative, but we think we have this verse wrong. What's been really cool is everybody knows I'm big on team leadership. Uh, So many of of the women that I've met are big on team leadership. They're just light years ahead on this stuff because their function has led to, you know, uh, the, the form, you know, and so... Uh, but it's been cool. And I have enjoyed, man, just meeting all these women ministers that are just cool and balanced and neat, you know, because the thing I always thought was, oh, you know, like, like, this is what you'll hear, you know, like, oh, they must want to serve, you know, the, all these women, you know, blah, 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 all that weird stuff. And um, it's first off, it's a real insecure place to be as a male, where that's what you're worried about. Um, no, it's team leadership. Like, do you go into your marriage thinking like your spouse is a serping, you know, like that would be weird. Um, I think most I of us, some people do. I, I know they do, but it's, again, it's such an insecure position. God gave you male and female to lead together. You're a team leadership. And, you know, like when people get into all the headship and all that, they get that wrong too. Um, because it does not mean you're the boss of your wife. Um, if you're a dude, it means you are the servant leader. And everyone knows the wife's the boss in the house anyway. Dude, so. when you go to your kid and you go, hey, 
who's the boss here? They're going to either say your your wife or they're going to look at you like you're stupid. Like that question makes no sense here. Dude, Um, I tell my kids all the time, I go, you know, I'm not the boss. Go ask the boss. Why are you even coming to me? Well, and that's the thing. We got to get the answer we want from you. (laughs) It's so funny, man, because, because I've just found like, like most females, they don't want to sit at the head of the table. They just want a seat at the table. And anyone who wants a head at the head seat at the table has issues, right? Like uh, I'm more of like a, a round table kind of guy with King Arthur. Like, hey, when we're on team leadership, the 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 person leading the team uh, is usually the apostolic in the beginning, and then that shifts and changes over time. It's functional. It's not personality. It's not based on sex. It's not based on any of that. You know, I want to bring up something, though, that I think is a really important side note to point out here. One of the things that I remember you talking about when we were adding someone to our team leadership at Refuge Long Beach. And I don't remember who it was. And the guy was like, oh, so, you know, when we disagree, what do we do? Take a vote? And, you know, majority rules. Hmm. And you just kind of smile and you go, no, we pray about it until we are all in agreement. Like. Even though you say, you know, the head of the, the, the team, that doesn't mean the head of the team and that whatever they decide is what yeah. the team's doing. Yeah. It just means you're the one corralling everyone together and let's pray about it until we all agree yeah. on this issue. And we would say team lead. Going. Yeah, we'd say team lead, like someone who might convene, but I would I would stand back and just let them talk. And then you call the meeting, you know, yada, yada. I mean, you're shepherding your team. That's what you're really doing on the biblical uh, model of leadership. Kind of like when Paul says, you know, he washes her with the water of the word. He serves her, you know, he loves her. Like it's, you're taking care of the team. You're, it's a team, but you, when you're leading the team, it means you're responsible for caring for the team. So Paul brings that into marriage, like you're a team leadership, but as the male you really need to look after your teammate, you know, like you need to pour into them. So it's an opposite context than me, boss. You know, we vote tie. Ha ha ha. We disagree. We have tie me win every time, you know, it's caveman talk. Like, like, you know, somehow whenever you have a tie, you're the tiebreaker because you're the man. That's not, it never says that in the Bible. And that's not what it means in context it's servant leadership. You serve the team. You look out for the welfare of your teammate. And the same with the church. So I would shepherd the team. And we all know I'm a sucky shepherd, which is why I usually like, yeah, hurry up and get me out of this job. But um, but I would lead the team. I would serve them, shepherd them, disciple them, care for them, pastor them, my team, and disciple them. So um, that's what it means. You know, and and it doesn't mean that you're the boss um, It by any stretch of the imagination. And I think people are catching up to this on Team Leadership. There's really good podcasts on this called Team Leadership Podcast. The host, I don't know, his voice is just amazing. Um, and there's a girl there. They don't I wish have, she were my wife. They don't have a, a Pete Mitchell. It is my wife. <laughs> That's why I just don't think it's as good. Yeah, I, my wife and I do it, and and Barry, he's like our 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 illegitimate son. Um, he is on there as well. We do a, a podcast called the Team Leadership Podcast, and it's kind of unique because Barry's been in uh, multiple churches that I've planted. Um, he was in Refuge Long Beach and Pillar, so that's kind of cool, you know. But um, but yeah, I I, I wonder if we're digressing now. Uh, I'm mumbling. No, I just, I, so like one of the things for me, and I'll just bring this up as like my final point. I, I remember years ago when I really started to think about this issue and like, okay, am I, am I interpreting this wrong? You know, what's the deal? And I remember I went back and I reread the New Testament and one of the things that still, it stands out in my head. Like I cannot not see this anymore. You know, the, the Bible that I got, it's got little footnotes, right? So. There's a word, it's got a footnote, and go down there, read the footnote. You know, what is this word's origin or the, the real translation, the more literal translation of it would you it would be? And I remember almost every time, literally almost every time it says brothers, it's got the footnote. You go down there and it goes, brothers and sisters. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, right. well, the way we we've got it, 
and and the way we read it is it's a very male dominated. The man is telling the brothers, and the brothers are gonna take it home to his wife at, yeah. at, at home and tell the little lady, here's but that's not what he was doing. He was saying brothers and sisters, right? Like they were right. there together. And that had a really profound impact on me. And I still remember years and years ago, someone uh came out with a Bible translation that had all of those things corrected. And so where it said brothers, it said brothers and sisters. And I remember it got shot down and killed and said, oh, look, they're trying to turn this into a, you know, a Bible that isn't what it really says. And, and, you know, oh, they're trying to put women up where they're not supposed to. And it's like, and they literally like what Christian's going to go out and buy a Bible where they think you've changed the words, right? Like you're not going to go buy that Bible. You're going to be like, dude, no, I want, I want the real translation, not just some guy's opinion and turning it into this gender neutral book. And all they did though, was say, no, we're going to correctly translate these words. And it just, it killed it. And I, I still go back and I go, yeah, that's just our tradition. Our tradition is women stay home and, you know, shut up. You're not allowed to talk. You're not allowed to preach. You're not allowed to yep. do any of that stuff. And that's, it's just, it's so leaked over into our whole thinking that whenever someone even goes and corrects, hey, look, this is really what the word means, brothers and sisters, boom, oh, you, your, your translation's out. That's a problem. That's a real problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So um, it there there's some things that will fry your noggin in, in the Bible. Um, you you have um you have in in the scripture um you have the spirit referred to as gender neutral um it's not referred to or he is not referred to as a male um but there is i'm trying to remember there is one verse that um uh, and the Holy Spirit's not female. Like, let me be really clear about that. But trying to remember what the verse is, where it uses a, a feminine. And of course, God himself has no sex. Now, we live in an, in an age where we use pronouns, male, female, which, you know, binary, clearly, as, as history has been, not to wax political, but um, God chose a masculine pronoun. And it's funny to me in this day and age where, you know, people are like, don't misgender me or don't, you know, uh, that those same people would not honor God's pronouns. And so. Well, that's, I mean, to be fair, that's because from their point of view is you made up the Bible anyway. So you made God a male. That's what their right, point of view is. Right. But, but the reality is, is that God is sexless. And when he made man in his image, he made it male and female. And and one of the things that we miss a lot is that humans were made in a in a team leadership in the way that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are a team leadership. So that's part of the image of God is that we are one, we become one, but we are uh, we are binary. And with the Trinity, um, there are three who are one, and so there's there's multiple layers to this. As you look at it, but the even even God Himself is a team leadership. So, uh, but but when He makes man, He makes him male and female in His image, and so God, I I would argue that God is both of them. Like in other words, no, that's a God is God. The male and female is an expression of God in different different forms. Um, but both represent God and are part of his image. So you can't say God is a male because there's male pronouns used. Um, you, you have to be able to say, no, God is sexless, um, but our sexes are derived from the image of God, which is pretty profound when you think about that. So why wouldn't you have God being represented in that team leadership in the same way that he is in the home? Um, it, why wouldn't that be represented in the church? So anyways, but that, you know, we're, we're out and I'm, I'm, I'm done talking. Hey, I'm going to see a concert tonight. So I'm very excited. I have to save my energy. You I'm know, old. my, uh, my kids and wife were in uh, California last week. They went to Disneyland. I thought and, you were going to say Taylor Swift concert. This is what they got me. Oh, 
Uh, if you can't see it, it's a it's a it's mandolin. a pen. It look, look at the size of that pen. Whoa. Okay, so I'm going to describe this. It was the Mandalorian holding the child or Grogu, and it's about the size of a Barbie doll. But you can take it apart. Um, I, I'm not sure about that. Do that again. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> it's questionable design. That's all I'm saying. You pull his lower half off, and and then you're holding his upper half. I I don't know about that design, Pete. Hey, it was that a is a pin indeed. It was a gift for my kids for Father's Day. Oh, they're like, I want you to use that when you're on your video call with a client. Oh, I nice. Oh, let me write this down. <laughs> hey, uh, did you have a good Father's Day, by the way? Yeah, because my kids and wife were gone. I got the whole day. Oh, nice. Yeah. What did you do with yourself? I went and saw the Flash. Nice. Very cool. Which is pretty much what you would have done if they were there anyways. I would have taken Luke with me, but he missed yeah. out. That's his fault. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're making me want to go see the Flash. I need to go see you know, the Flash. It was all right. I enjoyed it. I don't know why everyone said it was so awful. I mean, I don't expect a lot from the DC world, but the thing that you and I will like are the Batmans. And I don't want to ruin it, but there's one Superman that you will die when you see, like who I the actor is. I heard already. Did you already hear? I heard, and I still it's freaking mourn. hilarious. I still mourn that they never made that movie. Tim Burton was going to make a Superman movie. Was he really? Oh, that's a thing. I remember way back in the '90s when it was talked about that that he was going to make it. Tim Burton was going to make a Superman film. And when they announced who was going to start, we won't blow it for you, but um, it was as controversial and laughable as when they said that Michael Keaton was going to play. Because when they said Michael Keaton, everyone went, what? The guy from Mr. Mom? What? He's not going to. No, I can't. That can't be that guy. And uh, yeah, it was him. So. Interesting. All right. Well, hey, guys, on that little tidbit. Uh, Pete, what do hey, you, want you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching? You got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.